Welcome, welcome, welcome back to our very last interview for Blackout Radio. I'm so excited to introduce this young, emerging, talented, just a beautiful human being, Tyson Frigo. Thank you, you like very how I said much. your last name? That's beautiful. Thank you. Um, I really tried. What an amazing introduction. No. Um, you know, you are, again, a multifaceted person that has such a deep spirituality to, I guess, your art practice and even just your general work that you do. Um, it's really exciting to see how you incorporate your Wiradjuri heritage into your practice and. You know, what does that mean for somebody who doesn't know about Wiradjuri culture? I guess it's kind of a... The way I view it is an offering. Mm -hmm. Um, So knowledge, at least the way I kind of deal with it, is just like a river. Um, And that water flows from one individual to another. And in order to be able to understand certain concepts, you do got to sit in that water sometimes. And my practice deals with a lot of carving. Um, so fortunately, just yet last year, um, I was taken under the wing by a very uh, deadly uh, black elder from, from Mount Wiradjuri Way. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know that he was teaching me certain things, but he was. Um, and I guess that responsibility that he entrusted to me to carry on those carvings and those designs, um, it also comes that responsibility of educating people around me. Um, mm. Because especially when you're dealing with dendroglyphs and, and tree carving, um, there is this, and this is coming from conversations I've had with other carvers across the country from different mob, is there's this very distinct need for education surrounding this process and what it means for the landscape and the country itself and what these, these designs represent as a whole. Mostly because from that lack of education, people are able to do some very um, sad things to these beautiful objects. So you're mm. talking graffiti, um, just plain uh, disregardment and disrespect for these for this very beautiful and ancient craft yeah absolutely and i love something about um that people may not know but i was able to spend a lot of time with some Wiradjuri elders um mm. Aunty mary atkinson oh bless yeah you know, and something that i think is so wonderful about Wiradjuri culture specifically is the subtleness that comes with learning and I think it's such a wonderfully decolonized way of, I guess, imparting knowledge and receiving knowledge because I think in Western structures, we're always sort of conditioned to be like, okay, here is the curriculum. This is how we're going to do it. Here's a deadline. You're just, mm. you know, you're forcing yourself to fit a box with education, whereas Wiradjuri people are very open to it. And it's that thing of like, at all, suddenly and at all at once, you are knowledgeable about something. You've learnt something about that. And it's wonderful to hear about um, your elder teaching you that. Mm-hmm. Do you think that is something that you carry within your, I guess, practices? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, so that was a very kind of formulative experience for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of allowed me to sit with it a bit more and realise that I've taken on something quite big in terms of that responsibility of not only doing that craft but also eventually getting to the point where I'll be teaching others. Um, I guess the way it's defined my practice moving onwards is 
this kind of sensitivity about dealing with materials. And what I mean by that mm-hmm. is a lot of my work um, is based around natural materials. So, you know, wood, bark, um, uh, twining, leaf matter, essentially. Mm-hmm. And in order to go out on country and be able to do what I need to do, I need to do it respectfully. Yeah. And that not knowing what I was learning until that final point where it was like, all right, this is what I've taught you, go on and do your own thing. Um, that kind of was that push to be able mm. to think a bit more critically about how I move throughout country and how country moves throughout me as well. So, and through my practice. Okay. No, it's, it's really lovely hearing you um, sort of speak about this so beautifully and so spiritually, I think, there is something where I guess, I guess artists or even just people who are working within arts often sort of forget about the connection that we have to our materials and our materials are, are living and we live alongside them. They're a part of us. They're, you know, we're a part of it. Um, there is something that is that you're doing at the moment is a lot about rejuvenation mm-hmm. and a lot about protection of materials. Could you speak a little bit more about that? Yeah, so um, luckily through a lot of the community connections that I've fostered through you and country as well as Radri country, I've had a lot of opportunity to be able to go in country with elders, learn from them, but also learn what needs to be kind of done moving forward. And once again, that, that, that topic of education springs up again is if we're going to be taking care of these sites and bringing them back, we need people to be aware and ready to be able to receive that responsibility of taking care of it as well. Because yes, we're blackfellas born in this country, but now there's a new generation coming up of non-blacks who are all mm. born in this country as well. They're, they're fed from the same food from the mother, the same water. They've got that same responsibility. They've got to learn how to step up to be able to take that on and share that with us. Because yeah. that's a beautiful bonding experience. Because I've been able to work in community with not just blackfellas, mm. um, immigrants that have come over, especially after the bushfires, to help rejuvenate country after that devastation. Mm. Um, it was a beautiful uh, exchange, and it it strengthened the community. And I've visited Brogo and, and down south just recently, and mm. the community just come together because they realised they couldn't rely on the government. So it's very much a community-based effort to build up and prepare for these very serious things coming our way. Absolutely. Um, You know, what you just said sort of really inspired me about um, something that my uncle, who is, he's like my elder, um, he talks about how people who are born to this country, you know, regardless if you're Aboriginal or non-Aboriginal, you have a responsibility to this land because Mm -hmm. when you're born into a certain country or born onto a certain land your spirit has arrived here you know and once you leave this plane or leave this earth you have to follow our landmarks you know our Mm. dreaming back to the source back to your mob your people but you still have to go through our country first and so that idea that non-indigenous people are connected to this land is so important and like it's amazing that you're even touching upon that it's, it's amazing to be able to see that relationship develop between someone who's, who usually doesn't have that, that um, uh, introduction to country and then see that, that little flower bloom in their, in their mind mm. um, and see that spark of interest kind of come through them. It's an amazing thing to be a part of and it's, 
it gives you hope. Um, a lot of my elders, when I was specifically younger, a lot of my elders would talk about this, this day when blackfellas and whitefellas would come together and share um, fruit under the one tree on country. Mm. And growing up a young blackfella, I, I couldn't see that. And it was only in these recent few years where I've been able to communicate and, 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 and reach out to different communities and people that I usually thought were outside of my um, area that I operate in. Mm. Um, but funnily enough, had an excess amount of resources to be able to give to me and support what I'm doing. I started to realize that that connectivity is not only reflected in country between the trees, the rocks, the rivers, but also between people and different creeds and colors and what people come to this country to not only offer, but what they can receive as well. And learning to be able to work with country just means you're able to receive a bit more and be aware of mm. what's there. I know that's the truth. Sorry, I was just so taken aback by like how eloquent you were speaking just then. It, it's, you know, it's really lovely seeing you know, a young black man like yourself being able to really articulate those conversations around connection and country and spirituality because what you're doing is incredibly important work. Um, I also wanted to, like, talk to you about, you know, sort of, I guess, connecting through dance because, mm. you know, you've also, you know, you're, you're a mover. You know, our stories don't just exist within um, the oral form. They don't just exist within you know, artworks and paintings, but they also exist in dance. And, you know, you're one of those people that have also had the privilege to do that as well. Yeah, no, I've, I've had an um, amazing opportunity and privilege to be able to enter dance circles. And I was invited in through uh, late Uncle Max Harrison, um, mm. as well as uh, a lot of the Ewan brothers as well. Um, and it was a very beautiful... Um, it was a hard time. I was starting to get... I'm not wasn't too much of a show pony at the beginning yeah. I had to learn to kind of get into the Be comfortable the with public that. space yeah. um, but once you learn the kind of story behind those dances and how they interlink with the landscape and how important they are mm. and how you know just a few generations ago our ancestors and our great-grandparents weren't allowed to to do that and we have that, that opportunity to keep that going now and share it with other people as well yeah on some very amazing stages and, and, and platforms that we've been a part of. And, yeah, it was just a really great experience. So exciting, so exciting. And, and I can't, and as much as I have been told that I do talk quite well for a young fella, I couldn't have been in this position to be able to talk without those older men and those elders that, mm. that supported me and gave me the opportunities that, that got me where I am. That's something I've definitely noticed with um, your community, particularly. I mean, you have um, the concept uh, Yinjimara, right? Yeah, Rajri um, Yinjimara, go with respect slowly. Yeah. yeah. And you, your people do such a brilliant job at um, uplifting the next generation, especially your young men. Um, you know, how, how has that sort of, I guess, uplifted you? I mean, you've sort of already touched upon it, but you know, really getting into that concept of Yinjimara. Well, I'm going to go into a bit of a personal space here, but yeah. my mother came from Rajri country, so she was part of the Stolen Generations, and she left that country because she was hurting and she was looking for healing. Mm. And it was only about two years ago that I actually went back to that place she came from and I returned looking for healing and I learned a bit about the story of what happened to her and the history behind that and it made me be able to understand certain things and how I carry myself now. I'm currently on a little bit of a, a self-imposed journey to find my, mm -hmm. 
six brothers and sisters I didn't know existed wow. until like two oh years gosh. ago. So that's insane. Yeah, um, yeah, that support for men, especially within community and from our elders, especially especially the older women, um, they were real rocks for us. Mm. Um, and my great grandmother and my grandmother were very um, core people in my life. And those women are very important in building up a man's sense of not only responsibility, but where they fit in the world. Um, there was a thing my grandma would tell me sometimes, she was like, if you ever, if you ever need to learn how to talk to a lady, talk to your mum. <laughs> you know, yes, I get that. Yeah, I get yeah. that. Yes, I agree. Sorry, I'm just like literally thinking about like all the men that I know that have bad relationships with their mums and it's like... Yeah, it's... Uh, it's rough. <laughs> yeah, and so you need those women to be able to talk these complex issues in a, in a way that, you know, can, can sink in. Mm. Um, and they do it so well. And yeah. major respect to them. I wouldn't be here without those women, so, yeah. Okay. Imparting mad knowledge. Um, you know, so what are you doing at the moment with uh, your work? And I guess, do you have any plans to... I guess showcase um, your carvings or anything like that. What's what's the next chapter? Well, I've been talking in consultation with a lot of elders recently, just of getting my body of work together and what I'm allowed to share mm. and what might be held for later and what cannot be shared. Mm. Um, I'm also applying for funding so I can actually. I want to do some large pieces. Okay. Um, get out with the chainsaw carving. Oh, um, I love. Oh, yeah. like live carving? Yeah. <gasps> That's so exciting. Um, oh I found that, especially through some collaborative work I've done in the past, that live uh, active exhibitions or mm. those type of, in that stream of work, they seem to really work well in terms of bridging that connection between audience and artwork because I just Absolutely. love when people come through and, and have a yarn with you for instance when I first learned how to carve a tree by that that beautiful Paul Girawa house fella um, he we'd have people stop by every now and again little kids their families and we would talk to them about what we're doing and, and, and lead them through the process of what's going on and it was just a beautiful exchange yeah um, but that's usually the way with black fellas yeah. like you just learn as you go. And I think that's something really wonderful about, like... Mm. It's know, not too complex, you know? Yeah, and I think there's something, I guess, talking back to that idea of subtlety. Like, mm. you don't realise you're learning sometimes because well, it's, it's, you're it's, physically doing something. It's like acknowledgement. It's yeah. been kind of put into an idea of... Uh, there's a certain way of writing an acknowledgement. Yeah. But really, when you wake up in the morning and you open your eyes, you're acknowledging the day for what it is. Mm. You acknowledge the birds from the sound that you hear in your ears. You know, you acknowledge the tenderness of the grass when you touch it with your hand. These are very simple things, very basic. But how often do we kind of not really engage with that sincerity of being able to interact with the world? We don't know when we might have our last days. We might yeah. as well make today the first day of the rest of our lives. Oh my god, okay. Young man with the knowledge. <laughs> Young uncle in the making. Yeah. All right, thank you so much, Tyson. It's been such an honor to speak to you. Um, you are an incredible young man, and I'm so excited that I was able to learn from you just now. Thank, thank you. you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. So exciting. Right, thank you. <laughs>